I'm Kimberly Rolfs. And I'm Rena Barch. You're listening to Where's My Mind, the podcast where we have the types of conversations about mental illness that we have with our friends, not our therapists. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first edition of our podcast, Where's My Mind. Um, we are super excited to get started. Um, and we, yeah, woo. <laughs> um, and we really just want this to be as kind of down to earth and real as humanly possible. Yeah. So why don't we get started? All right. <laughs> um, Rena. Oh, me first. Yeah, you first. Where is your mind today? Well, as I was telling you just before we started recording, <laughs> uh, it's been a rough couple days for me. Yeah. So I guess just as a, a quick intro yes. to why we're doing this. Yes. So um, Kim, <laughs> Kim and I met, we actually met working at a coffee shop, working at Stumptown in New York City yes. um, at different stages in our lives, but <laughs> found that we bonded over the fact that we're both mentally ill. Yeah, yeah super <laughs> mentally ill. Um, so I suffer from depression and anxiety that has been uh, massively exacerbated four years ago when my mom died, which I'm sure you will hear loads about over the course of <laughs> time. Issues. Am I right? All my, <laughs> all my, all my grief <laughs> things. Um, and Kim? I have borderline personality disorder, um, which is I'll definitely get more into defining that, but just as a background, what you need to know right now is not multiple personality disorder. (laughs) Is it Um, bipolar disorder? It's not bipolar disorder. Um, And we'll we'll, uh, get more into that later on, but that is my official diagnosis. And um, it's pretty horrible, but I'm cool. And, and that's, that's kind of the um, the situation in which Kim and I bonded, which is, like, it's kind of horrible day to day, and yeah. it's really hard. Like, you put on a face to survive, and so people can interact with you as though you're, um, what's the word, Neuro, neurotypical? Yeah, neurotypical. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, like a lot of survival mechanisms, but it was really refreshing to find someone, for me at least, that I could just be like, I just feel super anxious. Like, yeah. I don't feel like I can get a word out today or what yeah. have you. And it was one of the first times I could have a very like open conversation about mental illness with someone who actually understands outside yeah. of my therapist who, like, it's a very different environment. Right, like it's, you know, as good as a therapist can be, it's still kind of a transactional relationship just naturally. Totally. So it's different than, like, having a... A, like friend person to talk to and I really do like starting those relationships with people where like some of my closest friends now that I've like come out so to speak with having BPD are people that like I started conversations with by both of us being like so like what's wrong with you like <laughs> <laughs> so people coming up to me and being like yeah I'm bipolar like and I'm like awesome like yeah welcome to the party and it is it's it's a bigger party than I think people think oh, it is definitely. um I don't have the statistics on hand and I should in the future I will right uh but 
a lot of people suffer from some form of mental illness and not everyone feels as comfortable talking about it openly as we do. So we wanted to, I mean, I'm an avid listener of podcasts and I haven't found a good podcast on mental health that talks about it through anything other than like do some yoga and meditation. Try try some essential oils. Um, I love an essential oil, but it has not helped my personality disorder. And unfortunately, we do a lot of these things. Like yeah, we're we're big proponents of like working out and like eating healthy and all of that stuff. But the thing, the reason why we wanted to start this podcast is because there's so much more to it than that. And especially when you're dealing with stuff that's more severe, um, it's it's not something that can be so easily. there's a super easy remedy for um, whether that's like more holistic or like actually medication and therapy and all that like it's still all complicated exactly yeah so to that where's my mind today back back to the Um, the central question I've actually been all sorts of trash at taking my medication lately (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say rubbish but that's not all sorts of rubbish I have a British uh, boyfriend who will be on the podcast at some point so I say ridiculous things sometimes so yeah I've been rubbish at taking my medication lately Uh, probably for the past it's Wednesday I think like starting this weekend and that means my mind has been in not the best place I'm on Lexapro For my depression and anxiety, Lexapro has a super short half-life, which is important to know if you are on that medication, because it means if you forget to take it, you will feel withdrawal symptoms by the end of the day. Um, And I have been doing that. So I skipped a couple days and then took uh, half of my medication because I ran out um, and then almost forgot to take it this morning. So my my brain has just kind of been... You're like, where is my mind? Where is my mind? Where is it? Where is it? Where did it go? Um... And I'm laughing about it now, but just like in in the spirit of the podcast, what that means is like I've I've had a lot of sleepless nights. Um, insomnia is one of the big symptoms of my depression. Um, I had one night where I just cried straight through for 15 hours in a sobbing fashion after watching a TV show where a mom died. <laughs> um, it means like my eating has been a little bit crazy. Like just all these symptoms um, have come up. Um, so that's where my mind has been. How's your where has your mind been? My mind. Um, my mind has been very anxious the past couple of days. Um, one of the main issues I've been dealing with lately is um, trying to like navigate the different relationships in my life, whether that be like friendships or like romantic. Like I'm trying to date you guys. Like I don't do that. Um, Partly because it's just not my personality and partly because it's hard to date as somebody with mental illness, especially something that affects my relationships so intensely. Like, whoever gets involved with me is, like, gonna know immediately and we're, like, gonna have to have a conversation about it, which is just, like, a tough thing. Uh, I did go on a date last night, which has been causing me anxiety for the past several days leading up to it because I thought I was going to cancel it. I was like, I can't do this. Uh, but I, I, from an outsider perspective, <laughs> I've known Kim now almost two years. Yeah. Um, this is the first date I think I've known you to go on. I've been on like 
maybe two other ones in yeah. the past. But it's not a common occurrence. Two years. It is not a common Very occurrence. exciting when you told me you were going on the date. <laughs> and it's really because I truly, like, avoid it at all costs. Like, any situation, which... I mean, this is just, like, deep-seated issues, but, like, any situation in which I'm going to have to, like, get close enough to someone to be in a situation where, like, we would go out on a date or I would develop feelings for them, I'm immediately, like, oh, God, like, stay back. Yeah. You don't know what's happening here. Um, But I am trying to work through that because it's definitely been, in the past few years, as I've gotten more awareness surrounding my mental illness and like the ways it manifests the more I've kind of like tried to regulate myself to a degree that's not necessarily healthy and like had a lot of self-awareness that's almost excessive and now I just kind of need to learn to balance that with like my self that's more impulsive and does stupid things sometimes um and try to just like live my life like a normal uh, 24-year-old to some degree. Yeah. Um, rather than feeling, like, so restricted. Um, yeah, that's... My mind is all over the place. It's interesting <laughs> what you say about relationships. It's something I've been thinking a lot about as I've been slipping into this particular episode. Um, because part of what... Like, when I'm feeling the most depressed, I start feeling, A, very worthless, right? Yeah. And worthlessness to me is very like um synced with loneliness mm-hmm. right because if i yeah, were I totally with people i would get some worth from their love and and i have a very loving partner of nearly 10 years um who in my low point where i was like i'm feeling worthless reminded me that i have a lot of worth yeah. but uh to me, mental illness, like, one of its most devious traits is, like, I'm feeling lonely and yet interact, like, wanting yeah, to reach and it's out. Yeah, so hard. You, like, the last thing you want to do is try to see people. Or, like, it's not even the cliche of, like, I can't leave my bed, although, like, sometimes it is that. But a lot of the time it's, like, you don't get around people and it's, like, hard to talk about it it's like you have all this stuff in you that's like built up and you're like I really just like I need to talk to someone like I'm so lonely um then you get around people that like kind of like want to listen to you and like ask you how you are and you're just like I'm just exhausted at the prospect of like putting all of that out there again because it's been I've been going over it in my own mind so much so then it just is a cycle of like feeling isolated because I didn't talk about it and then like and the for, whole thing repeats again for me sometimes it it literally is just like needing to be around people but to be around them I need to start performing a way of being or feeling that is not true to how I'm feeling in that moment and that performance to me is exhausting because I am like super introverted don't like being the center of attention and it's a lot of effort for me to turn to people in general Um, but certainly when I'm depressed and that it it becomes this really vicious cycle of like I'm super lonely I feel really disconnected but I don't have the energy to connect yeah um yeah that's like the just like yeah it's such a hard challenge like something that like even if you know that it's there, it's not something that you can, like, necessarily do anything about. Like, you can force yourself to be around people, but you can't, like, make yourself, you know, want to, like, confide in them. Or, like, you can, like, get yourself up, but, like, it's 
like my symptoms particularly sometimes manifest really physically and like my body feels horrible and I just feel exhausted and it's like taking 10 steps is like very hard um so yeah it's just it like you feel drained and then you don't want to see people so then you don't and then you're lonely or if I can throw the anxiety bit into it where it's like kind of the opposite (laughs) of feeling drained where like all of a sudden I feel my heart fluttering and like like just my yeah. mind is racing a million times. Well, your body's like, I need to, I need to protect you from this. Like you can't go anywhere. Like, <laughs> you have to stay right here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're right, you're right. Like, you know, I need to watch the Real Housewives for like the next eight hours. I need like, to get out of my head. I yeah. need to. There, there's a lot of TV watching in this family. Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so much. Brief background yeah. on me as a human being. I am by day a social media manager. Um, I do social media marketing for movies um, through a digital marketing agency, which is kind of like a very weird and specific sort of dream job <laughs> for me um, because I love social media and I love movies um, and I want to write and produce and direct for film and TV. So that's kind of my like tie-in thing. I like to do all those things. I consider myself a writer like first and foremost. Um, and Kim's super good. Oh, well, thank you. Like, super good. <laughs> Not necessary. Uh, um, but do you want to plug life or death? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, so one particular project I did that's out on the internet, if you guys want to um, watch it, some shameless self-promotion on my part, um, is a series that I wrote, a web series about having BPD um, and basically navigating falling in love while you have borderline personality disorder or like mental illness in general, Um, but specifically BPD um, in this particular story because it's semi-autobiographical. It's called Life or Death Basically, Um, lifeordeathbasically.com, it's on Vimeo, we're on Instagram. I'm really proud of it, and it's been cool to connect with people over it. Um, so I'm just really trying to do more stuff like that and hopefully um, break down some barriers of representation of mental illness in film and TV on the way. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you go. What, what's your deal? Um, what's your deal? Yeah, I think part of the reason why I didn't feel the compulsion to talk about my deal is my deal is <laughs> like not super straightforward. Um I studied political science and economics, and my passions are largely in social justice and um, women's rights. Um, None of that has manifested in my career, where I have been a brand consultant, I've been a design researcher, um, mostly those two things. I've consulted for a lot of startups, so I worked in tech a lot. I'm worked in coffee for a second. Yeah, I also did that <laughs> up until like a couple months ago. I was a full-time barista, barista for two years. Like high-quality barista. Yeah. Part of the reason I spent some time in coffee is well, not long before that um, was when my mom had passed away and I went through a little bit of a tailspin. Um but I'm not entirely sure it's over. I like to think it's over, but like... <laughs> it's continuing. Jur- like jury's still out. Um, so I have probably been depressed most of my life. Um, started 
starting very young, I had lots of like headaches, lots of stomach aches, lots of like very classic kid depression symptoms um, that I went to the doctor for. And the doctor was always like, keep a journal and come back to me. And my mom was like, that's not real. What is that? Um, and I remember really distinctly being in like third or fourth grade and we had to do a research project on a uh, an illness or a sickness, a disease of some kind. And I was researching loads and I came across children's depression. I was like, oh my God, I have all of these symptoms. Yeah. Uh, which I know happens with almost anything you look <laughs> up. But like, legit, I was like, this actually makes a lot of sense. And it's not just the headaches, right? Like I, I had, this is like maybe a little bit dark for our first episode, but like yeah, no. I had lots of, <laughs> lots of suicidal thoughts as a kid. Like I was really, really, truly miserable. I've been a crybaby my whole life, which I now recognize has had a lot to do with the depression. Um, I was really sad. I was a really bummed <laughs> kid. Um, and when I told my mom that I thought I might be depressed, she was just like, no kid of mine can be depressed. Like shut up, get in the car, go to school. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I like shut the door on the possibility that I might be depressed, even though it would very much explain why I felt really uncomfortable in social situations, why, um, just like all the things I look back in my life now, now that I'm finally in therapy. Um, which is all to say, I lived my life depressed, not really knowing it, trying to manage it in whatever ways I could. And then, uh, a little over four years ago, my mom passed away in a kind of a traumatic way, and we can go into that some other time if there's any interest in anyone hearing it. Um, and I started getting panic attacks all the time. <laughs> um, it became really unsustainable, so I finally went to go see a therapist. And now, being in therapy for almost four years, I know that I've probably been depressed my whole yeah. life. It's so weird to see sometimes like how far those roots go back and you like remember something you did when you were like 10 and you're like, oh my God, that was the depression. Or, or the anxiety, like yeah. anxiety's yeah. been, like I used to, whenever I had to go anywhere, when there was like an event, I would need to check that, and this was before, <laughs> this was before people had cell phones on them all the time, and certainly not smartphones. So I would, I would like double, triple check the time and address of every event. I would need to write it down. I would write it down in multiple places, so that when I showed up, I was like terrified of walking into the door. I don't know what the fear was. I get that though. But I was I afraid of like walking in and finding out. Do that. Like I'm afraid to. I'm gonna walk into the wrong. Wrong place, place wrong, wrong time. time. Yeah, like totally. interrupt something important. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I I'll totally get that. And that's yeah, anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't anything I shared with anyone because it kind of feels crazy, right? Like, I mean, not to me, but <laughs> maybe right. To, but yeah. But it, I mean, growing up in a household where like you can't be depressed, right? You, totally. right? Yeah, you, you manage your shit. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you get very good at like not showing anybody and just trying to find a coping mechanism for it so um so the last four years uh I started therapy I then got laid off from my job my tech job um which was probably good because I was having like panic attacks in that job every day anyway um finally went on medication and we'll have a whole episode on medication and the trials and tribulations of going on and off and all that stuff um and it's only really in these past three years, I'm way more functional now on my medication. I have a much better sense of myself and what part of, I mean, it's a process, I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to understand which one, which of my behaviors are 
uh, mental health driven and which of them are actually my personality. Right. And that's hard to pull apart it's sometimes. So, especially when like you, like I know you and, and me too, like we've both been mentally ill from a young age, like even though we weren't diagnosed until later in life. And so it's like you grow up forming your entire like sense of yourself and your entire sense of your personality around this thing that like later you realize might not be something inherently that's part of you but might be like a symptom that you can address and change which is just like a weird like trippy thing that I feel like most people don't have to think about yeah and it kind of shakes the ground you walk on right like because I don't I don't know and I'm still learning like what what is my personality and what is my illness or or like my illness is also a big part of my identity so maybe it is my personality like I don't like maybe it's all just one thing yeah like but it's very easy to especially because it's um it is I like identified or called a mental illness. I think yeah. that's part of the reason I want to try to separate it from my personality because I don't want to be like, oh, all these negative traits are here <laughs> that are happening because of a chemical imbalance in my brain. Those are part, like a core that's, part of who yeah. I am. Yeah, there's definitely some danger to that. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's been my mental health journey. I got diagnosed probably around three years ago. Finally went to meds. I'm doing much better, but. The reason I bring this up as a part of my bigger story is like now that I'm dealing with this mental health stuff um, and that I finally have a, I mean, the best way to describe it is a clearer mind. Like I can actually like see through the fog for the first time in a really, really long time. I'm actually taking the time to figure out what it is I love and what I'm good at and what I want to do. Um, And that's been a process. So I am not working as anything right now, um, just applying to lots of stuff and trying to figure it out. That's my story. What has your journey looked like and how have you come to be the functional human being you are today? <laughs> I am sometimes functional. <laughs> um, a lot of the time I'm not very functional, um, which I think surprises a lot of people because I do present as extremely high functioning I would say to people that don't know me for sure um, and haven't looked at my Instagram <laughs> um, so yeah I guess I guess that's kind of where my mental health journey begins is that I was always super high functioning um, throughout my life throughout school so throughout my life I had always had difficult relationships with other people. Um, My friendships were a lot of the time pretty unstable and extremely codependent. Um, I remember in literally in third grade, so I was like eight or nine, there was a time when um, my best friend at the time started hanging out with another girl. And um, after like, stewing about that and crying about it for weeks I like point blank said to her I was like you can't be my friend if you're gonna have any other friends um and in that moment she was like okay I won't have any other friends then which is kind of the the response that I'm always hoping for these days but never get so that situation is kind of emblematic of my relationship since then my relationship um to my parents also, um, very kind of strained and seeking of approval pretty much nonstop. So 
I um, seemed like I really, really had it all together um, until about my junior year of high school when um, I started self-harming pretty impulsively um, and then continued to do it, did not tell anybody. Um, For someone who maybe doesn't have a lot of uh, firsthand experience with self-harm, do you want to talk about what causes? Yes where that comes into the mental health story. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's very different for every person, I think. I don't think that there's one universal reason for doing it or one, like, even means of doing it. Um, but I had, I've been somebody that tends to, like, blame myself really, really strongly. And I also liked the idea of, um, because I was somebody who presented as so high functioning and was like just holding it together really, really well. I liked the idea of like somebody being able to see like what was going on inside of me, like being able to make it external. Mm. Um, and even though I didn't like tell anybody or show anybody for a long time and like went to great lengths to hide it from people, um, I started like cutting my wrists and then like my arms and my legs, like pretty much any part of my body that could be covered by clothing at some point, um, I've like self-harmed there. To me, it was just kind of like to externalize what was happening in in my brain. Yeah, I um, I've never cut, but I do. I have like minor self-harm tendencies where, for me, it's um, I feel emotion so strongly and I want to not feel that anymore. And it's the same way if something hurts, right? You rub it because the sensation of rubbing it distracts from the feeling of the pain. So sometimes when I'm like in particular agony or feeling whatever emotion I don't want to be feeling anymore, I'll like, I will dig my nails so deep into my palms that that I'll, I'll accidentally cut through. Um, embarrassing I like hit myself in the head a lot yeah. <laughs> like I have these moments where I just like it, it's almost like it is it's spazzing out but yeah. it's this like I need to I need to distract from this other stuff I'm yeah, feeling yeah. and it's like almost sometimes physical pain is easier to deal with you know what I mean because you know how to like it felt very comforting to me because mm-hmm. then it was like okay like that's as bad as it's gonna get like that's rock bottom I really had no uh Nobody that I felt like I could talk to about mental health at all um, until probably my senior year of high school when I got my first boyfriend um, and started dating this person that um, was incredibly supportive of me and really, really kind. And um, I ended up opening up to him about my uh mental health and I guess like saying I was depressed which was literally the only kind of word I had to describe mental health at that point like I didn't really know that there were any other mental illnesses like I just knew depressed because I'd known people that had had depression Mm. um and so that's how I described it and I told him that I'd self-harmed and he was kind of helping me through that for a while until you know, he was thinking like, this is getting too serious for me to deal with and had me talk to his mother, um, who was, you know, really like kind and 
helpful in the moment, but um, later on said that she was obligated to call my mother um, and tell her that I was self-harming, um, which she wasn't under any circumstances obligated to do, but I didn't know any better. Um, so my mom found out at that point, that was the first indication to her that I had any type of mental health issues. Um, and shortly after that, how, I- How did they react? Oh my God, I, like my mom was just like, she, my parents don't get it. Like, I think they're starting to now um, because of me and because of my brother who also deals with mental health stuff. Um, I think they're starting to realize that it's not something that can be like cured. Like my mom is a doctor, but she's like a, she's not a, you know, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything. Like she deals with the body and is very used to being like, there's a cure for this. Like, let's fix it. Like, um, so she immediately jumped to like the, let's fix it. Um, and sent me to a therapist um, who, my first initial diagnosis was just depression. It was a dysthymia, I think that's what you call it, which is essentially like low-grade um, extended depression. Mm -hmm. um, so basically just pretty, like less having depressive episodes and more just being like kind of just depressed all the time for ever and ever. <laughs> um, which looking back is just not at all what was happening um but that was my first diagnosis um i went off to college and kind of um got into another very codependent friendship slash relationship um was i went to acting school so i was in an environment where a like I was being emotionally manipulated every single day um, for a grade, which is just kind of a fucked up situation to be in to begin with. But also um, in this particular program, so much of it was about like, follow your impulses, like act on like whatever you're feeling like. And they kind of encourage us to take that outside of the classroom, like just in the way that they were teaching. Um, which I really just took and ran with and was just incredibly impulsive and destructive that first year of college. Um, there were a lot of like great moments too. Like it was a really, really overall good year, but like very tumultuous. I was drinking a lot. I was um, really struggling with like being by myself at all. Um, I was struggling pretty severely with self-harm. Um, and that's the thing that kind of brings me to the next part of my story, which is that I, um, in what is one of the most um, kind of just like this, this is like still hard for me to think about, to be honest, because it's like so fucked up that it makes my like blood just boil thinking about it. Um, so I showed up to class one day with um, self-harm scars on my arms. Um, pretty bad ones to be fair. Um, and ended up accidentally rolling up a sleeve not thinking about it. Um, 
and my teacher saw them. Um, and immediately I was sent to the office to talk to the student, like, counselor, sort of, but she was not, like, she wasn't qualified to do that. Like, she was probably, like, a couple years older than us. Like, she was not equipped to deal with a crisis situation or any kind of serious situation at all. Um, so I had to go sit down with her, um, and she was basically like, you know, you have to, like, show me your arms. And, like, I didn't know what else to do, so, like, I showed her, um, which is, like, so it's such a combative way to address. Right, and yeah. it's, like, there are so many, there are so many stories like this, too, where people dealing with self-harm are, like, it's almost like you've committed a crime. It's, like, yeah. show me what you did to that person. It's, like, it's, you almost, like, forfeit your right to privacy and autonomy over your own body, like... So what would be the harm with starting with, like, how have you been feeling? (laughs) And that's not what happened. Um, And it was kind of like, you know, like, I don't understand why you're acting this way. Like, and I was, I think I said at some point, like, other people here do this, too, because I know, I knew that other people did. And they were like, well, they're handling it better than you. Whoa. Yep. Um, And, and then at that point in that conversation, so I was being, like, too combative, I guess, for this uh, woman to deal with. So she called in the head of the school, uh, literally the founder of the school, um, and made me show her my arms. So now we're like in a situation where these two people who never should have had anything to do with this situation um, know that I'm cutting myself. and basically we're like, if you don't deal with this, we can't have you back here. It's treating you like a liability instead right. of a person who's yep. maybe struggling. Yep. Um, and I stormed out of there um, in classic Kim fashion, being like, fuck you. Literally, that's what I said. Um, but I had to go to like the student health center and be sat down there and be examined and honestly they were like way nicer about the whole fucking thing so they were very um like kind to me and gentle with me and i really appreciated that and still do um but essentially that was kind of one of the precipitating events that led me to at the end of that school year um tell my mom like i don't know what i need but like i know that i need help um like i can't keep doing this, like, I'm really struggling, um, so essentially spent that whole summer, um, going to several different therapists, like, therapy three times a week, going to different psychiatrists, trying every medication in the book, um, experiencing all kinds of wild side effects, literally all the things I feel like I've tried at this point, um, and... At the end of that summer, I saw a uh, therapist just pretty briefly um, because I was about to go back to school who was who specialized in um, relationships and like sort of couples therapy, which sounds like a weird 
like she wasn't a couples therapist, but that was one of her like specializations, mm-hmm. um, which seems like kind of a weird place for me to go. But so many of my issues were interpersonal and yeah. like with my relationships and with my dependency on other people um, that it was weirdly like the perfect um, person for me to see at that point. Um, and she kind of started giving me um, dialectical behavioral therapy um, like worksheets and teaching me to oh, okay well um, so DBT is basically it's a type of therapy that was it was developed to treat borderline personality disorder um, it's essentially I'm not an expert obviously I honestly don't really do it anymore um, I have like an app on my phone for it but it's it's practicing mindfulness but also being able to take if you're having a thought that is really um feels very overwhelming or feels like sort of a crisis situation or it's like a paranoid thought or a um a thought that's like an intrusive thought that you like can't um get out of your head you take that thought and you um break it down kind of by being like okay, like, this is what I'm thinking, like, this is what I believe to be true, and then, you know, is it possible that maybe I'm, um, like, assuming something, or maybe I'm projecting onto this other person, or maybe I'm trying to predict the future, and, like, there's basically, like, different sort of things you can assign to it, like, in ways that you've distorted that thought, if that makes sense. So like, for example, if I'm like this person that I'm friends with um, is like frustrated with me and is gonna tell me they don't wanna be my friend anymore, which is like pretty frequently my thought. Um, It could be like, okay, am I possibly trying, you know, thinking I can predict the future slash assuming I know what this other person is feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are several steps to it sort of like that, um, where you like dissect the thought. um, And then at the end of it, the idea is that um, the thought doesn't have as much power over you and you're able to rationalize it. And it's so helpful with BPD to break things down like that because my mind is not able to do that by itself. And I'm getting better at doing it by itself. Sounds um, like a lot of work, though. It's for... so much work, which is why I don't really do it. Um, but it can be helpful when it's like I'm having a repeated thought or um, this is something that I've been thinking for like a week and it's like driving me crazy or I'm like really freaking out and like having an episode and um, struggling to kind of like keep my sanity for lack of a better word and can feel myself about to spiral off it can be really helpful to break stuff down like that um so that therapist introduced me to that form of therapy and was also the person um who introduced me to what bpd even was Mm -hmm. um and so the the diagnosis in um i don't think it's i'm not sure if it's like this in the dsm-5 now that's um, the diagnostic and statistical manual. manual. It's basically like the handbook for diagnosing mental illness. Um, but the DSM-4 lays out BPD uh, with, I think, like nine different symptoms or like uh, 
qualities that you, like, if you fulfill a certain amount of them, then it's likely that that's your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, And I fulfilled all nine of them. (laughs) Um, So she told me that uh, I most likely had BPD. um, And that made total and complete sense to me. And I felt like my life had an explanation and my behavior had yeah. something behind it. And like relief, I imagine, just to be yeah, like understood. Yeah, so relieved. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only person that yeah. has these symptoms, which like, sure, are some are like representative of other mental illnesses, like anxiety and depression and bipolar. Um, but the particular like congregation of them is not something that anyone I knew was experiencing or had experienced and I just had no way to contextualize it. Um, So it was a huge relief for me and it's something a lot of um, therapists or psychiatrists or whoever diagnoses you um, will say is like don't Google it, like don't like go home and Google it because so much of the information out there about BPD is so um, just like negative and punishing and kind of like here's what to do if you have a person in your life with this horrible mental illness like here's how to get away from them safely essentially um, because there's so much stigma surrounding BPD um, like if you think about just the amount like the only representation we have of that kind of codependence or fear of abandonment or emotional instability is in like like movies about like stalkers yeah. and like in portrayals of abusive relationships and that's not to say that no one with BPD can be abusive but there is a stereotype that everyone with BPD is manipulative and is incapable of being anything but an abusive partner an abusive friend um but those kinds of representations of all mental health issues, like, they drive me crazy because it's, yeah. it's when they're undiagnosed, ununderstood, and unsupported that right. things manifest that way. And, 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 it's, that and it's not your fault, right? Like, it's literally yeah. a, a chemistry in your brain mm-hmm. that is causing you to act a certain way. Yeah. And without support, you're never going to be able to fix it. Yeah, if you have no self-awareness surrounding it, obviously yeah. it's going to, like go bad and it's going to be hard for you to deal with anything and it definitely was before I was diagnosed because I didn't know what was happening to me um but now I feel like I have self-awareness of it and this is true I feel like too of a lot of people with BPD is that we all have so much awareness surrounding our emotions and our mental health that we are thinking about everything that could go wrong like 10 steps before anybody else is. We're considering if we're being manipulative, we're considering like, is this healthy, is this unhealthy? Um, How am I treating this person? Because that's like necessary to us being in the world as um, functionally as possible. And it's not like a switch flipped and all of a sudden I was like, like perfect and always active rationally and obviously this is still something that I work on 
daily, like it's a daily thing that I have to consider. Even though I have self-awareness and understand where my emotions are coming from, like I can't stop them from coming. So it does take a lot of energy to try to regulate my mind so that I'm not um, acting in a way that's harmful towards myself, but also towards the people around me, because that's like, you know, my friends are the most important people in my life. They've like supported me through everything. And I know that it isn't easy to have a friend with severe mental illness. Like it's very, very hard. Um, I I can really relate to that. Obviously the the symptoms are a little bit different, but um, when I first realized I was depressed and I realized like, my anger or when I lash out and yeah some of that is depression yeah um just being like irritable <laughs> yeah. um and it took me a while to a realize that that was because of my depression but it's also really easy when I'm feeling irritable to be like well it's because I'm depressed okay and like right. not yeah. have to be a person about yeah. it and yeah it's not so easy to just not be irritable, but you have to be aware of like, it is somewhat within your control to not act on that irritability. Right, and it's not even a, a thing of like, um, I think now the thing that I've like just been really working on since I kind of accepted my diagnosis and especially since I started talking um, about it with people, which happened basically through me creating this web series that I talked about and sharing it like that was me coming out to the world with like this full you know my full everything um mental health wise can be really frustrating because it feels like okay like I'm stuck like this forever like I'm gonna have to deal with this forever because BPD isn't really something that there's a cure for you know what I mean there's no medication that's gonna fix it there's not you can really only address the symptoms and try to address your your thoughts but it's like something I'm most likely going to have to live with forever and so it's kind of just about having compassion for myself but also having compassion for the people around me and kind of trying to explain myself to them as much as I can and like my friends at this point have gotten used to me being like I'm having a borderline episode like the stuff that I just said in the past five minutes like I feel it really, really strongly right now, but I recognize this is where it's coming from. Like, Mm -hmm. and you know, at this point people know to, to be like, I love you. Like, I understand it's going to be okay. And just being able to know that myself, but also understand it enough to like articulate it to the people in my life so that I can develop stable relationships is just like the most like valuable thing I think to me. And it could be really scary too, right? Because oh, yeah, it's, it's a burden you're putting on a, a relationship. I definitely feel awful about it sometimes. You know, like, I know that you get this too, because trying to explain, you know, the way your brain works to someone that doesn't experience being in your head, like, and you really want them to understand, like, that's so, that's like so challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I have a, a little bit easier, not that this is a competition of your other artist. Most people are at least somewhat familiar with depression, and right. it's especially in the last couple of years, more people are coming out and talking about depression, yeah. being depressed, and it's okay to bail, which I think is yeah. like the number one way that's that such a, I'm so depression glad manifests. That's like, <laughs> like amongst 
our like friends as as become so acceptable to be like I am just too depressed to come out tonight. Yeah, and, like, and I, I I am also friends with people who suffer from depression who like bail on me all the time for yeah, that, and yeah. I have a hard time not getting pissed off too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, so I totally get it. Right, it's annoying. Totally, it's <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I totally get that, and it's you know like, and this is it's been like really hard for me too because I. I know that everyone to some degree, or like, I think most people probably take those kind of things personally. Like if someone is canceling a lot or like not answering their texts or whatever, um, with BPD and especially the way that mine manifests and my main triggers being like, I feel like someone is gonna leave me. Like yeah. someone is showing signs of leaving me. Like that kind of thing can just throw me like into a complete tailspin. Like I'm learning to recognize that um, someone can not have time for me right this second. It doesn't mean that they don't love me or that they're planning on cutting me out of their life. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, depression has had a really, really big impact on my relationship. He was with me when my mom passed away um, and that brought out the the like, deepest, darkest depression I've been in in a, um, in a way where I was no longer functional. And it's really hard to explain. The irritability one is a really big one, right? Because yeah. irritability also passes as like being a dick. And like, I don't mean to be a dick. It's just yeah. the way I see the world right now. I, I'm reacting to the world I'm seeing and the world I'm seeing is calling out this reaction oh in God, me that yeah, I can't I control. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. I can control it a lot better now that I'm medicated, but this is like when I was going through yeah. it. Um, and it's really, for us, it's been the smallest things that are the hardest. Like he, he understands when I have a hard time getting out of bed. He understands when I'm crying a lot. I don't know that he always knows how to deal with me when I'm crying a lot, <laughs> but he gets it. The biggest one for us is forgetfulness. Hmm which is not a common symptom uh, or not a commonly spoken of symptom sure, of depression, yeah, yeah. but because your head is so much in a fog, you have a hard time taking in details from other people's lives. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much this was true until the fog cleared, mm-hmm. um, where Jono would just tell me like huge parts about his day, about like the things you do when you come home and you're in a mm-hmm. partnership. And like two days later, or sometimes two hours later, I'd be like, who is that person? And for him, I wasn't listening. And it's totally understandable. Yeah. Like he thought I wasn't listening. He thought I wasn't paying attention. He thought I didn't care. And like, I could not rack my brain hard enough to get that information, like I yeah. just did not remember. Yeah. And I felt so helpless to do anything about it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, what do you do? Right, and it's, it's something that you really have to like, you know, in, I haven't been in a serious relationship in like several years, but like even in my, um, my working relationships and my like close friendships, it's always a conversation that I have to have about them where I like really, or not about them, to them, um, where I like really lay out at some point, this is like why I am the way I am. And like, it sounds like very kind of dramatic, but it's almost like anyone that I get close to, I want them to just like read like a page about what BPD is because it's gonna help so much for them to be more, sympathetic towards me and for me to be more sympathetic towards them. That's so much overhead. As though building a new relationship isn't hard enough, you have to be like, read this one page or on how to do it. That's why I don't get close to people very easily.
Also because uh, so many of the, the ways my BPD symptoms manifest are just like they're that classic like needy obsessive girlfriend type of shit like where are you right now like why haven't you texted me back in two hours like you know like why like why can't you like just crying irrationally like at having to leave someone that i'm gonna see tomorrow like and that that stuff is is difficult to explain to people that only know that as like a stereotype of like a crazy girlfriend yeah yeah as though fighting female stereotypes isn't enough of a battle i know every day. Like, <laughs> I, I like embody this stereotype and like at this point i'm like i'm not proud of it but i'm like accepting of it enough that i'll like own it like it says in my like dating app profile like do not match with me like if you can't handle emotional women like yeah you know like just just stay away because I know myself well enough to know that it isn't a flaw in who I am it's just it's something that I'm working on and everyone has things that they're working on it just so happens that mine are um maybe can be a little bit more intense than the average which (laughs) to me that kind of speaks to one of the I almost hate to call them benefits, but kind of like one of the benefits of being <laughs> mentally ill <you know, laughs> is it does force you to grow self-awareness oh much earlier God, on. Yes. Where yes. like, I have to be super on top of how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. I need to catch, because I need to catch my depressive symptoms before I fall into a yes. really deep episode, yes. I've learned to like be very self-aware of every emotion and like every cog spinning in my head and why it's spinning that way and at what speed you're like okay i need to hop on this now like these are the things that i need to do these are my coping mechanisms yeah exactly definitely and that's i do think that's a gift because it makes me better at yeah other aspects of life that require emotional intelligence i mean it's like (laughs) grow up really quickly in the past few years which is like kind of sad but I feel like I got all of my like youthful like doing stupid shit out when I was like 18 and 19 and now I'm like it's time to um I just like want to what am I trying to say like I want it matters more to me to be on top of my mental health than it does for me to like binge drink on a Friday night. Well, also, if if my tailspin has taught us anything, is that you could always come back <laughs> to those reckless years right, maybe, later maybe maybe in, in your late years, 20s. I'll, like, uh, <laughs> I'll feel the urge to do it all over again. But no, I, I also want to live, you know, so it's like finding that balance. Yeah, yeah. It's just weirdly hard. Yeah, but it is like, do I want to have a drink right now? Because it would be nice to yeah. like sit in a bar and have a drink, or am I trying to drink something away? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, so much. Like, and and that's another thing about mental illness is that like you really have to analyze all of those things to be like, is this me about to slip into something destructive, like, or is this just, you know, do I just need a break? Do I just need a drink? Do I just like? really want to like do I actually like this person I'm about to sleep with or like am I sleeping with them to try to be destructive like you know like all of that stuff or is it like be so many of the things that are just normal like impulsive crazy things that you do when you're a young person like 
for me, those A, either set off really destructive behaviors or B, are really destructive behaviors. And I can know that they're destructive and still do them yeah. because I'm trying to be destructive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you wish people, in addition to everything we've said so far, <laughs> um, like what do you wish people knew about BPD? Like top Literally three. Literally anything. Like I wish <laughs> that people knew what it was. A lot of mental health professionals don't want to treat people with BPD because the prognosis isn't good because it's, you know, they might not be able to fix it. Mm. Um, and so I, I wish that people saw more of the, like, person behind the... The humanity in The it. humanity behind yeah. the disorder, because I am just, like, a normal person. Um, but I'm also someone that has this disorder that's so heavily stigmatized, even amongst people that know a lot about it. Um, yeah, what do you what do you wish people knew about depression and anxiety? I mean, I, I think um, there's a lot more awareness around depression and anxiety, obviously. I, I think there's a lot of conversation, and I don't want to diminish people who have, like, more minor forms of depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Depression can be very um, situational. Yeah. But there's also people who live with it, like, forever. Right. I am definitely one of those people. And I think understanding that it's not just being sad and it won't just go away. That there's an element of it, like, if you're signing up to a friendship with me, there will be periods of time where I, like I do, I disappear off the face of the planet. And my closest friends know to just keep messaging me. And I will come back when I'm in a better state to be communicative. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So knowing that those people who say that there's a range, a spectrum, I guess, yeah, yeah. of depression mm-hmm. um, and anxiety. I, I do feel, yeah, a little bit luckier, even from when I first got diagnosed. Yeah, over the past few years, it's gotten to be, and this is much less stigmatized. so amazing that it's gotten to be less stigmatized and people are more willing to talk about dealing with mental health, but not to chime, I'm gonna like finish. But no, the, it's it's so good that people are talking about mental health more. Um, but I think one of the things that we definitely That's exactly what I was like gonna say. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Some of the um, the way that people are talking about it is not serving to uh, get rid of stigma. It's just changing it almost. It's because the people that are speaking up are people that had one depressive episode or deal with high-functioning anxiety and like those things are hard in their own way they definitely are and there are things about them that um are challenging that maybe I don't understand as someone that doesn't have um that deals with like a different disorder um but there's still such a lack of representation of anything beyond depression and anxiety and beyond like that typical narrative of I had this one breakdown and I hit rock bottom and I've been building myself back up since then because like 
I know. There are definitely peaks and valleys of this shit. You hit rock bottom and then you're like, oh, there's more under here. Like, I'm going down still. Yeah. Um, Or even if you come back up, doesn't mean you won't go back down again. To me, that's been one of the harder things. That's so hard because it's it's like, oh my God, now I'm like going backwards. And it's not. It's just like the journey isn't the journey that most people portray it to be. The journey is like a for me, it's literally daily. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I've definitely had those moments where I'll, I'll message Kim. I'll be like, I'm really scared because I'm having a good period. And I know I'm kind of afraid it's going to come to an end. And yeah. I don't want it to. Like, I, I know this isn't going to last. Yeah. And that's, it's like, how do you, you got to like enjoy it while it's there, but also like prepare yourself for when it's not going to be. Because if you forget. And and that's happened to me too, where like I forget that it can be bad, and then yeah. the symptoms start coming up again, and I don't catch them. Yeah. Because I forget what rock bottom looks yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a daily struggle. And to piggyback off of what you were saying, like it's great that there's so much more awareness of anxiety and depression, but when people normalize those really like more. S- slightly more surface level versions Mm -hmm. of these illnesses. Or like more socially acceptable. Yeah. It further stigmatizes the worse versions of them. Absolutely. And that's kind of what we want to combat in these conversations. Yeah. Like something that I always say is like you shouldn't be like talking about how much we need awareness of of mental health or like posting that a celebrity suicide was so sad if you are not going to be actually pushing for reform of our mental health care system if you're not going to have compassion for the homeless person that's talking to themselves if you don't have compassion for addicts if you aren't scared of uh people that experience psychosis if you say shit like you know, like, oh my god, like, he's so bipolar, like, sorry, I'm just, like, really psychotic about having my room clean, like, I'm, like, super OCD about this, like, you need to address all of those things before you start talking about how people need to be more accepting of mental illness, because we really have to start from the people that need the help the most, Yeah. um, and go from there. You're here. You're here. You're here. <laughs> so we, would, we don't want this to all to be doom and gloom. A lot of what we hope to talk about is coping mechanisms yes. and how w- this is about surviving with the illness yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah, I'm just like, um, sucks. And obviously our processes change with Absolutely. the journey. Um, but how are you coping now? Like in general? Like in general, yeah. Like, what are your, what are uh, your tactics? My tactics? Well... Uh, the number one best thing that I've done for myself over the past few years is getting into working out and specifically boxing. Um, and I am, I used to be so resentful of those people that were like, just exercise, like it's good for you. Um, but it really is about finding something that you actually feel better after you do it. And like, for me, boxing is that and it's given me an outlet for this kind of like destructive energy that I otherwise would be taking out on myself um so I've been doing a lot of that which has just like increased my confidence and just like honestly completely changed who I am as a person and like given me such a good foundation 
Um, for kicking people's asses. For kicking people's asses. <laughs> and just like walking into a room or like walking down the street and knowing like if all else fails, like I could punch this person in the face. Like that just feels good. Yeah. Um, but all in addition to that, I take medication. I um, try to. Um, I honestly like have an app on my phone that tracks all these different things for me so I make sure I'm sleeping enough, drinking enough water. Mm -hmm. Have I socialized today? Have I like reached out and talked to somebody? Um, Have I done something today that challenges me? Uh, Have I eaten stuff that makes me feel good? Like did I eat enough? Like all uh, all of that kind of stuff, just really making sure that I have a foundation of healthy habits so that when um, I do get hit with an episode, um, it doesn't completely knock my entire life off track. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How are you coping? Very similarly. um, I... I mean, for me, the number one thing is medication. The decision to go on medication was very, very hard for me. Mm -hmm. I don't take medications often, um, but I am definitely someone who should be (laughs) Um, and I think a lot about being able to go off of it but um, I just I feel things very very strongly like all of my emotions I feel at a 15 and the relief I felt when I finally got on medication and some of those things were numbed like relief (laughs) Um, so that's my number one Uh, and remembering to take it yeah which I'm not always very good at. I'm not good at it either. It's hard. It's such a twisted, vicious cycle, too, right? Because, like, when you're depressed, you're really bad at taking care of yourself, and the thing you need to do is take your medication, and And it's hard to do. Sometimes you're, like... I'm not ever like I don't need it, but I'm I'm, like, less likely to be thinking about my mental health. Yeah. I'm not thinking about my, uh, like, medication. Yeah. yeah. So medication is number one. Um, sleep is number two. Uh, I I will caveat this by saying I'm aware I'm not working right now. My flexible my <laughs> schedule is super flexible, which enables me to focus like a hundred percent on my well being. Um, but I do make sure to get at least eight hours of sleep every night. I go through a very convoluted process to make sure I'm asleep um, because falling asleep doesn't come easily to me. Uh, So, like, I do lots of warm baths and candles, smoke some pot sometimes, add a van and a pinch. Um, Add a van and a pinch. I I do, like... Um, I drink, like, lots of soothing, uh, like, turmeric, ashwagandha mixes. Like, I like all that. It's so good. She, like, made me one the other week, and it was so delicious. With some oat milk? With some oat milk. Um, Oatly sponsor us. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So doing lots of that, like, candles, like, all that really calming stuff to help me fall asleep and make sure I get a decent sleep. Um... And then, yeah, exercise. I started doing yoga around the same time I got diagnosed, and that just giving me that time to be entirely in my body helps me get out of my head. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've taken that exercise regime to, like, the next level. (laughs) Um, So it was just, like, predominantly yoga and the occasional running. Right now, I do yoga. I do spinning. Kim has gotten me into boxing, which was my resolution for 2019. (laughs) And uh, we've been pretty good at going at least once a week. But it's been 
it's really good. I mean, for all the positive benefits anyone talks about, right? Like it's nice to feel strong. It's nice to feel better in your body. Um, and it does sound really rote because that's what everyone always says when you say you're feeling depressed. They're like, just go for a run, get that endorphin boost. And yes, that is why it works. Sometimes you do that when you're depressed and you like, don't feel good afterwards anyway. Definitely. (laughs) But it is about building exactly what Kim said. It's about building a good base. None of these things work when you're in the deepest, darkest depths of depression and you haven't started doing any of these things yet, all of them feel incapable. When you have been doing them and you're in a really dark place, it's like you have to forgive yourself for not like wanting to do all the things that are super good for you. Right. You like gotta um like, you know, maybe you like get you make sure your house is like stocked with food, like just in case, you know, like that kind of thing. Um But once you have a good foundation, like I know I start feeling anxiety. The first thing I do is I go to the gym and I spin it out. And it's it's the only thing that lets me feel a little bit more at ease. If I don't do yoga at least three times a week, I'm not someone you want (laughs) to be around because I get into my head. I get really, really anxious. Um, So it is it is a lot of that stuff. Um, being really conscious about what I eat and how well I eat. It also happens to affect my sleeping, (laughs) my exercise habits. So it's all interconnected, but it is, it's a very like meticulous self-care regime to make sure I'm, I mean, functional is the best way to put it, right? Like, because there are those days. Getting you back up to like the, I always think about it as like, you know, other, like, some people just wake up at, like, a certain baseline level of, like, humanness, and, like, I'm really doing all of these things, not so that I can, like, optimize myself and be, like, you know, like, the most productive, like, greatest person in the world, but just so that I can, like, reach the level of, like, a normal functioning person. Like a five. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Like a> five. <laughs> I'm really just trying to, like, you know. And it is. It's about being able to function, because... I, I know it is a bit of a trope of like the depressed person who can't get out of bed, yeah. but when you have that feeling of like literally not being able to step your foot yeah. onto the floor yeah. out of the bed, like I, I'm sure I will feel that way again, <laughs> probably not too far off in the future, but I try to like stave that off as much as possible. Yeah. And these are the things that help me do that. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's easy to put the foot down, but at least I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And we're going to, uh, throughout the course of this, obviously be talking more about our own experiences, but also having other people on to talk about their mental health journeys, because something that's really important to us is to get all different kinds of perspective on this and not just have our, um, same perspective of being like young white women talking uh, who are in, like, a relatively privileged position, like, sitting in a nice apartment in New York, like, talking about mental health. Like, there's so many different parts of this story that are so important and that, you know, mental health, quote-unquote, related podcasts are not addressing <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's... And different communities deal with it differently and mental health illnesses. As we said, it's about connection and disconnection. Part of the reason we put that out there is if there's anyone you want to hear from or anyone you know who would be a really good candidate, definitely. Or if you have a story. Or if you have a story. That if if you've dealt with something you want to talk about, like, honestly, I want to talk to anybody and everybody. everybody. (laughs) You know, I want this, we want this to be like a community like yeah a community where it's it's not just the same surface level conversations around mental health it's like we can actually get into the 
real shit and it's not like a thing where anybody's gonna be scared off we're all gonna kind of just no shame here yeah 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 Yeah, definitely so you can tell us about all of that at where's my mind pod on twitter on instagram where's my mind pod.com for more information and uh hopefully more episodes yes stop